millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. All right, folks. Welcome to Nino's Corner.tv. I am joined with Father C.W. Capis and William Albright, correct? Albert. Yeah, you're, you Albert. got it right. You got All right, it. I got it right. right. <laughs> so I, this is going to be a show on uh, our mother Mary. We're going to be talking about this. I, you know, uh, there's a. I come across a lot of people who are Christian. They don't believe in 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 praying to Mother Mary. They don't believe in the Mother Mary in the sense that a lot of people nowadays are are, are just she's completely ignored or put to the side. But yeah. I still say my Hail Marys. I, I still pray to Mother Mary, so I would like to clarify a lot of things in this program today for myself and my audience. But before we get started, folks, let me knock out Tito with Nino, baby. A recent survey reveals that if you're concerned about weight loss and want to get on a diet, half of all Americans are with you. One of the easiest ways I recommend jumpstarting a new diet plan is with this amazing keto powder, folks. This, system, this substance helps you tap into many of the weight management benefits of being in ketosis. Even without the need of ex- for extreme card restriction or having to go through the infamous keto flu. I'm impressed because in just a week of taking this, I've noticed a, a significant difference in appetite and cravings. I want you to try it as well and experience the amazing effects it had on me. Get it back today for 51% off, plus receive several free bonuses before the spring sale ends. By going to Keto with Nino or hit the link below, folks. It's in the district, uh, description box. Hit the link below. All right, guys. I really uh, want to say thank you for joining me. Um, this is something I, I hold very dear to my heart. I um, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. Um, I have I have not been the best Catholic, uh, um, but I was an altar boy. And when the whenever the topic of Mary gets brought up. Um, I never really have much in my arsenal to defend it. So I'm hoping you guys can help me out with that because um, I even know, I, I even want to learn why um, she is such a, uh, a, such a controversial figure with so many people who are Christian mm-hmm. Catholic. A lot of people tell me, no, we don't need to be praying to her. Do not pray to her. That's uh, we should only be going through Jesus Christ. I'm confused on it myself. So I hope you guys can clarify this for me. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And thank you for having us here. Thank you very much. We're uh, thrilled to be here with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I guess I'll start with William. William, um, in one of your videos, you refer to Mary as the new Eve. Mm-hmm. And when I think of Eve, I think of, you know, Adam and Eve. And I think of 
you know, Genesis and the beginning, and 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 I and I think of her committing the 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 biggest what cardinal sin, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Eating out of the tree of knowledge. Yeah. Why is Mary referred to as the new Eve? That is a great question. And as you were uh, breaking that down, I was opening up my Bible. So I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Uh, I'll give it some brief thoughts, and I'll let, then let, I'll let Father um, uh, give his thoughts as well. So number one, to begin with, we will start talking about how in the book of Genesis, clearly we have uh, two figures that are laid out, Adam and Eve. And then particularly in Genesis 3, we have what is uh, famously known as the fall. And then we get to some very famous passages. Um, and th- these are typically referred to by the early church fathers as the proto, the, the proto evangelium. Now, what do we mean by that? We mean it's the, uh, a prophecy of the first good news gospel. Now, how is that possible that it's the Old Testament? Well, right after the fall of Adam and Eve, we have the Lord God providing us with a remedy, if you will, a prophecy of a future seed that will come. We know that this seed, as fulfilled in the New Testament and as for, as, as uh, laid out by the early church fathers. By the way, if your audience don't know who the early church fathers are, they're those men that were taught and trained by the apostles. So we have a lot of the writings still to this day, David, tons of the writings after the New Testament era closes, after the book of Revelation, we have writings like from figures like Pope Clement of Rome, St. Ignatius of Antioch, Polycarp of Smyrna. These are first century, second century writers, many of them taught and trained by the apostles themselves. We have their writings all throughout history. So those who are who the early church fathers are, an unbroken line of either deacons or bishops or preachers that were part of the Catholic Church. They also give great testimony to this reading. And in Genesis 3, right after the fall, we have, it it says, the Lord God provides a prophecy. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what we have here is a prophecy of a future seed. That seed is a child, by the way, it's in the singular. That is the Messiah that will be born, that will crush the head of the serpent, the devil. Now, how did our Lord crush the head of the devil? By his sacrifice on the cross. He defeated death. He crushed the head of the devil. It's a prophecy, mainly a messianic one. That's why they call it the first gospel, the proto-evangelium. But right there, mixed in with the very first prophecy of our Lord to come, we have a prophecy of The mother. Well, who else will give birth to the seed other than the woman? We call Holy Mary the new Eve because she is the opposite of Eve. She's not fallen the way Eve fell in the garden. She is in full possession of that grace that was lost in the garden. When the Mm -hmm. angel greets Mary in Luke 1, he says, Hail, Gecharitomene. And by the way, Father Coppice is a Greek scholar. He's probably cringing at my horrific Greek, but more or less it's around there. And it means hail having been fully graced. Well, what is the root of that Greek word? It means Mary is in full possession of that grace that was lost there in the garden. That is a kind of in a nutshell why we call Holy Mary the new Eve. It has a biblical basis, Old Testament, New Testament, and then it has a patristic basis. When we say patristic, we mean the early church fathers. Our faith is based in scripture and what we call sacred tradition, David. We have early testimony to this as well. 
Wow. I mean, okay, so to me, she is like the renewed, I guess you could say the, the renewed woman of what God intended it to be, right? The, the yeah, I would, I would say that. Version. I mean, even fell from Eve fell from grace, and if I'm right here, cast all of humanity into like a, a curse. Correct? Would you say a curse would be that be the right word? And then Mary came and purified this. Uh, um, yeah, I think that would be a good way of, of putting it forth. Um, we, as long as we're very clear in the sense of Mary didn't need any kind of purification from sin. Mary was created. So we can touch upon the Immaculate Conception as well. Yes. We believe Mary was created without any stain of original sin. And right there, as you know very well, David, right there, right there wrapped up in that prophecy. If it's a prophecy well before Mary was ever even created, that talks about her being at enmity with the devil, just the way the Messiah would be. Well, logically, what does that tell you? If you are under the dominion of the devil, according to the Old Testament, the Book of Wisdom, and all over the New Testament, the Book of Romans, under the dominion means that you have sin or a sinful nature or original sin. The Messiah never had original sin or a sinful nature. Well, if just like the Messiah is at enmity, that Greek word from the Greek Septuagint means a mortal warfare, a barrier. Well, if the Messiah was at complete enmity with the devil, well, right there in the prophecy, the woman is as well. And the woman can only be one person in history. That is the mother of the Messiah. But of course, I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Father. And I know you could supplement it with a great, uh, great insight. Yeah, thanks, William. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the Eve uh, item. And then, David, your initial question had to do with being able to pray uh, to people other than Jesus. So we would definitely want to get into that, too, and, and understand where Jesus himself recommends that uh, that we can pray to someone besides himself uh, that's not God. And then secondly, um, other New Testament passages where we actually see these kinds of things happening. So the first thing is uh, Genesis 3.15, where uh, we hear that after the fall of Adam and Eve, there is a curse uh, that God is going to put enmity between, he's going to put, he's going to make enemies between um, uh the wo- the woman and this serpent, which is clearly interpreted as Satan throughout the Old and the New Testament, and that um, it is her seed, not a seed from a man. This is very unusual. So if you spend time reading the entire Old Testament and the New, um, when you talk about who's the father of whom, that's how the Bible likes to talk about family lines. They only talk about male seed producing other children, and it's always concerned with who is the father of whom. There's never anywhere in all of Scripture where there's an obsession with a female's seed. Of course, nowadays we'd use the word ovum. We have a you know a more advanced vocabulary back then than back then. But if the female ovum or the female seed is going to be the source of what crushes the head of Satan. This is also a Jewish interpretation, so it's not just Christians that see this. So if we were to read something like The Guide for the Perplexed, which is a book written by Moses Maimonides, a great um, Jew from the 11th century who really compiled kind of the Jewish wisdom of his day, he sees in this the crushing of the head of Satan, uh, not just a metaphorical serpent, the crushing of the head of Satan, um, which is going to be accomplished by the seed of this woman. 
But what is really interesting is Genesis is the first book where we ever hear of a woman's seed and her seed, not seed from a man, is going to crush the head of the serpent. The only other place that we actually hear of the explicit seed of a woman uh, conquering Satan is in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, where there is a woman in heaven who is surrounded by the sun and the stars. This is your Guadalupe image that you are very interested in. And that it is her seed who are all the children who have accepted Jesus Christ, basically, all the just children. So we call her our mother in Revelation 12 because she is considered the one who is the producer of the seed or the child of promise, and that we are all adopted children of promise because we are just, we are followers of her son. So those are the only two explicit passages in all of scripture where there's a woman's seed. Now there's one other exception and that links them. There is an implication. If you go to Isaiah um, 7.14, which you know very well, William, is uh, if you want to actually pull it up, for us, Isaiah 7, 14, so people can hear it. Yeah. It is the virgin birth, that there's going to be a woman. She's going to have a miracle child. This miracle child is going to deliver Israel from all of its enemies. That is the only other implied passage we have in Scripture, where there's a woman's seed that is responsible for changing history. And so the link that we have then is, the Genesis prophecy that one day in the future, only a woman's seed without a male contribution is going to conquer Satan. Then we have the prophecy that when Israel is getting ready to get politically destroyed, that it will be resurrected by someone who is the seed of this virgin or woman. And then lastly, uh, this woman's seed is extended not only to her physical virginal offspring but to everyone who considers jesus their lord now what's that uh, passage there in isaiah seven fourteen? and then i'll make sure that david doesn't have any questions or clarifications sure let me read it isaiah seven fourteen. therefore the lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel which means god with us so the son of this virgin who has no father mentioned in the passage. It's very mystical. Um, All of our Jewish commentators, so we have North African Jewish commentators from the Middle Ages. We have European Jewish commentators from the Middle Ages. A number of them actually suppose that this might be a virginal conception. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but a a good number of them. And uh, there's been recent arguments of a scholarly sort to double down on the fact that the meaning here really is a virginal conception. And so now we finally have the fulfillment. How does a virgin, uh, why is it a virgin and her seed? Why, why isn't it just any woman without the uh, without male relations who has a miracle child? She, why does she need to be a virgin? What's interesting here is the word virgin is used for three things in the in, in Hebrew language. Um I'll actually provide you with a quote after I say it. Um, In Hebrew, in the earliest documents that we have, uh, one of them is called the Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud. It was, I'm going to read it now. It was stated, there are three virgins in the Hebrew language, a human virgin, a virgin sycamore, also known as a fig tree. That's why the fig tree is so important as a symbol in the New Testament, because it's virginal. 
So there are three virgins, a human virgin, a virgin sycamore, and virgin soil. And we know that Eve was made out of Adam, who was made out of virgin soil. Adam's holiness is that he has never been plowed. He is, he is made out of this pure soil without sin. Eve is taken from the pure Adam. When we talk about uh, Mary, uh, we talk about her being a virgin to remind us the, the virgin prophecy in Isaiah seven fourteen that a virgin will bear a child is hearkening back to this woman is so special that she reminds us of the virginal situation in the garden uh, of something that is unplowed, untilled. So what does the commentary continue to say? And the, the Jewish commentary says, a human virgin is someone who has never had intercourse. A virgin sycamore has never been cut. And virgin soil has never been plowed. What is the uh, punishment of Adam after he sins? He goes and plows and makes his food, right? What is Cain? Uh, what is What symbolizes him not being such a great guy? He's not a pastor, uh, pastor of flocks like uh, Abel, but he plows the ground. He uh, takes away the virginity of the earth. So why is it so important that Mary, uh, as the new Eve, be a virgin? Because Eve is predicted to have a seed without uh, Adam's help. Well, that's weird because Eve does have relations with someone. So it must go ahead. Can interject here? Is that sure. so Eve, in a sense, corrupted the seed of God by, did she mate with the serpent? Does she take in the serpent's seed? Am so right in saying uh, that? that's, it's an interesting idea. Um, what we could say is this, is that uh, there, there are some, there are some indications that she's under the domination of the the snakes or the serpents uh, of the Old Testament, but the actual seed that she does take is Adam's seed, and she bears only children of corruption who plow the earth, yeah. who take away the virginity or the holiness <clears throat> of the earth. And so, um, when this prophecy is 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 said of Eve that your seed will crush the head of Satan. It's not her first child. It's way down the line when we get to Isaiah 7.14. Yeah. Uh, it's still going to be a future prediction that in 600 BC or almost 700 BC, it's said that there's going to be a future child. Jesus finally comes. He is that future child. And who is he born of? A virgin. So finally we have the virginal seed, which comes from Eve. This makes sense for all the stats or the pictures that i see where she's standing on the head of satan correct mm-hmm. she's crushing the head of satan you exactly see, you know i always see her praying on top of satan and that's what that means right a virgin who's never been plowed who has never been violated who's never had any uh, relations who's never been touched by a man who has a child according to isaiah seven fourteen, without the help of any male so she, so she came back basically, or, or Mary is here to correct the sins of Adam and Eve, or Eve, to. Yeah. So what happened in the so with what happened in the garden? So Mary is here as the correction, right? By her obedience to God's plan for the Savior to be born through her and saying yes to it and never having violated her role in life, uh, she is allowed to cooperate in the redemption, just like well, I'm Paul. learning a lot here. I'm learning a lot. It's like St. Paul says that we make up for what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Mary is the first example of this. She is the first person that's really allowed so, to make up 
for the lacking of the sufferings of Christ, so to speak, in advance. So she's a she's a gift, just as much as Jesus is, in the sense that yeah. she is the correction of Eve. And all we have to do is accept her as the mother Mary. I mean, you see today so many people pervert her and 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 say, no, you know, she Jesus is really the offspring of someone else. There's no way that someone can be impregnated by by God like that, you know, or she was impregnated by aliens. And, you know, you hear all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, I'm I hear it every day. Almost I'm interviewing people, you know, every week, basically talking about this stuff. What, why do we call Mary the new Ark of the Covenant? What's, what's the significance of that? Go ahead, William. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot behind that, um, David. And indeed, how about we talk about what the Ark of the Old Covenant was first? I mean, cause people are going to wonder, well, why are you even calling Mary the Ark? Well, the Ark of the Old Covenant was an, an incredibly important box. Now it was more than just a box. It was, or it was ornate. It was covered in gold. It was the most important thing, uh, item that the Old Testament Israelites had that traveled with them. And they believed they would call the glory cloud. They believed the glory cloud that traveled with them traveled with the ark. They would call that the Shekinah glory cloud. They believed that to be the presence of Yahweh, the presence of God with them <clears throat> when the ark was present. Now, <clears throat> the ark was ornate with gold, was beautiful, and it was made with incorruptible wood. Acacia wood. It was incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, people would bow down before the ark. They would direct their prayers towards God when they would bow down before the ark. Incredibly important. The ark eventually in the Old Testament gets lost. It's lost. The last time we ever hear about it is in the Deuterocanonical book, the book of Maccabees, where it does get lost. But in the New Testament, it really does seem very odd that we, we find our new ark of the covenant and the way that we call Holy Mary the new Ark of the New Covenant is because language begins to get applied to Mary that was applied exclusively to the Ark in the Old Covenant. Now, we know that there are many parallels. Now, and let me let me pull up. I have a... Um, you want me to allow you to share screen? Uh, That would be good. Yeah, let me see. Uh, yeah, because I have a really cool go. chart. And, uh, you can share it. Just You know how to do that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Let cool. me um I'll pull that up. Give me one second, and uh that will be helpful because there are tons of parallels here. Okay. Share screen. I got it right. There we go. You able to see that? Yep. Okay. So this is a really cool chart. It's put together by a friend of mine. Um, and let me let, let's check this out. So in the old covenant, the old testament. You have got the ark travels to the house of Obed-Edom in the hill country of Judea. In the New Testament, Luke 1.39, Mary traveled to the house of Elizabeth and Zechariah in the hill country of Judea. There's multiple parallels. Some parallels, David, I believe are knockout parallels. Incredible ones. Dressed as a priest, David danced and leapt in front of the ark. That's very important because in the New Testament, in Luke 1.41, John the Baptist of priestly lineage leaps in his mother's womb at the presence, the approach of Mary. In the Old Testament, in 2 Samuel, then this is a massive parallel. David says, how can the ark of my Lord come to me? In Luke 1.43, this is directly referencing 2 Samuel. Elizabeth says, how is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So here are two two things that we need to, to, to point out. This direct referencing of 2 Samuel points to the fact that Mary is being presented as a new ark, but it also shows you 
in the Old Testament, when it says, how can the ark of my Lord come to me? It's talking about Yahweh, Almighty God. In the New Testament, when we have this very same thing being hearkened to by Elizabeth, it's in essence pointing to Mary as the mother of God. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare flashlight. The Fighter Flare flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Flare.com. People will say, well, it just says mother of Lord. The Greek word is kudios. Kudios doesn't always mean God. It always does in Luke 1. And in Luke 1, it's hearkening to the Old Testament where it's talking about Yahweh. Mary's being presented as the new ark. And if you need any more evidence, when David shouts in the presence of the ark in 2 Samuel, Elizabeth exclaims with a loud cry in the presence of Mary in Luke 1. 
And as we bring out in our book that we wrote on Mary, I wish I had a, I have it right here. We bring it out there in the book that we wrote on Mary. We show how every time that particular Greek word is used of the exclaiming of Elizabeth, every time it's used in the Bible, it is used in ark in the context of the ark, in the presence of the ark. It can be no coincidence that when Elizabeth utters this exclamation in the presence of Mary, it is showing us even further that Mary is a new ark. There's more. The ark remains in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. Mary remained in the house of Elizabeth for three months. Obed-Edom's house was blessed by the presence of the ark. The word blessed is used three times in Luke 1, and we know the ark returns to its home, ends up in Jerusalem where God's presence and glory is revealed, and in Luke 1 and Luke 2, Mary returns home and eventually ends up in Jerusalem where she presents God incarnate in the temple. So there are many, many parallels showing us that Mary is indeed the new ark. But I also want to lay out this, David. What does it mean if Mary is the new ark of the new covenant? It means many things. It means Mary is being presented as an incredibly holy figure. And indeed, we believe the theology of the Bible, as well as that of the early church fathers, doesn't only lay out Mary as a holy kind of special figure, but as the greatest creation of God. We recognize she's a creature. She is a creature. She is not God. She is not due worship. That is due to the Trinity alone. But she is the greatest of God's creations. And by virtue of that, we can ask for Holy Mary to intercede for us, to bring us closer to her son. So this may sound like a really stupid question, but that, you know I have to ask these questions because I'm trying to understand this. You're saying that she is the Ark of the Covenant. We're calling her the new Ark of the New Covenant. Father, I don't know if you want to maybe supplement some of that. Yeah. that. Um, it's using an Old Testament reality, which was this box that was constructed with... Right, okay. One, one on it. Yeah. That's what I was going to get at, because I mm-hmm. thought people were in search of the Ark of the Covenant, and look, and I thought it was like a thing. Mm, right. So I thought it was like an actual box or a, or some yeah. kind of powerful... So in the Old Testament, it's the a, original. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a box that's designed by God uh, and that has all this importance for worship. In fact, when the Ark travels from city to city, people don't pray to Yahweh. They actually leave gifts and offerings to the Ark, and Yahweh, ex- God, accepts it as gifts to himself. So the reason why it's important to understand this is when Luke says that Mary is like the Ark of the Covenant, well, how is she like the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the old Ark of the Covenant contained manna. Jesus says that he's the new bread from heaven. The old box contained the law. Jesus says that I am the life and that he is the new legislator. He is the new Moses. The old uh, Ark contained the rod of Aaron, which was a dead piece of wood that miraculously sprouted, Jesus dies and he resurrects. So the reason why it's so important for Luke to use the image of this Old Testament box and to compare it to Mary is that she contains in her womb the bread of life. She -hmm. contains the one who's going to die and resurrect. She contains in her womb the one who is going to give the new law that's going to supersede the law of Moses. So just like the old law, uh, the old ark contained the old law, the old rod of Aaron, and uh, the manna which fell from heaven, Mary's womb contained 
the fuller reality of Jesus, who was all those things and something more. So the parallelism is that Mary is something better than the Old Testament ark. So that's the idea that we're supposed to be getting from that. That's incredible. That that makes me understand it a lot a lot more now. I, I think. I Does that make sense, David? The way we yeah. Live? Okay. Yes. It's. And, it's and you had a question too uh, at the beginning of the pod, uh, of the cat uh, of the uh, conversation where uh, you asked about praying to Mary, right? I just mentioned that when the ark went from city to city, and I believe um, in the uh, book of Samuel, yeah, uh, we uh, we end up having gifts left before the ark, which are considered to bring blessing and yeah. gifts that if someone doesn't leave gifts before the ark, God actually curses them. In a very similar way, we can wonder, does that mean that we're allowed to give gifts or prayers or some sort of honor to Mary and have the same sort uh, of effect? But in a more clear sense, I provide you in our, our chat, which you're, you're free to cut and paste if you wish, but I'm going to read it. It's Deuteronomy 9.25. Listen to what Moses says about invoking human beings in prayer uh, before the coming of Jesus. He says in Deuteronomy 9.25, I lay prostrate before the Lord those 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had said he would destroy you. So obviously Moses is um, uh, trying to pray for the salvation of Israel who, who has angered God. He says, I prayed to the Lord and said, quote, Sovereign Lord, do not destroy your people, your own inheritance that you redeemed by your great power and brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Overlook the stubbornness of this people, their wickedness, and their sin. So what do we have here? Invoking Abraham, invoking Isaac, and invoking Jacob, saying, remember them. And let their actions or their merits, their good works or their prayers, their how they were faithful to you, be the reason why you overlook now the sins of the people. That is exactly what we do when we pray to Mary. All we do is we simply say uh, in, the, in the Eucharist, at the Eucharistic prayer, we actually use this exact word, remember. Remembering our Blessed Lady or remembering the saints. Why do we remember them? Because when God remembers someone, it means that they are not dead. You remember Jesus' argument where he says to the Sadducees who do not believe that people live after death, he says to them, does not God say, I I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He is the God of the living, not of the deceased. That's the very same argument here. Why do we know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have the power of intercession? Because Jesus says that they're alive. And unlike the Sadducees, that they still have the ability to do things. What are the things that they have the ability to do? Well, Moses says, remember God, Abraham, remember Isaac, remember Jacob, and do not now punish your people. He doesn't say, listen to my prayers. I'm Moses. I'm interceding on behalf of the people. He says, remember your servants, Abraham, remember your servant, Isaac, remember your servant, Jacob, and don't hurt these people now because you are thinking of all that they did. Yeah. And this is exactly what we do when we pray to the saints. It's the exact same thing. And just to illustrate, let's listen to Luke 16, starting at verses 23. Jesus tells us a story about how Abraham is alive and actually inter- 
intercedes for some people, but he is not able to intercede for everyone. In Luke 16, we hear, the, A rich man died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Then the rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented with this flame. So Jesus is promoting a story of praying to Abraham in Abraham's bosom. But we're going to find out that there are limits to what the saints can do for us. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive good things. So apparently the saints can respond to those who seek their intercession. You received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. So what we learn here is, those who are in hell cannot benefit from the saints' intercession. Mm. There is a gulf. So the implication here is, Jesus is affirming the practice of invoking prayer to Abraham, but not for those in hell, but those who would be outside of that. So we can imagine the living and those who would be dead that are not in hell, that they could benefit. Like purgatory or something? Yeah, something like that. Those in hell are already lost. That's 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 the implication of Jesus' storytelling, yes. But what is he doing here? He is telling us a story about Abraham potentially interceding without any sort of negativity for someone, but there's a limit to that intercession. That's those who have been judged and are already lost. But what we get here is Jesus modeling for us prayer to the saints. Now, finally, you've heard it said that there's only one mediator between God and man in 1 Timothy, right? Right. Well, 1 Timothy says something weird. Does St. Paul contradict himself? St. Paul in 1 Timothy 2.1 says this, pray for all men. So there's three of us here, David. If I say to you, David, please pray for William to Jesus, that William, uh, you know, I don't know, bench press 500. <laughs> need prayer for that. So if I if I'm asking, yeah. <laughs> yep. if I'm asking if I'm asking you, David, to to go to Jesus for me, are you interceding for for William? Are uh, you acting as a mediator between my uh William? Acting and- as I, I no, I'm just I'm going through Jesus as a mediator, correct? I mean would that be I, I would agree with you. You can say that. You could say I'm I'm actually going through Jesus as I consider him my my friend, my Lord. Right. But in the technical English sense, I'm allowing you to be a go between between William and Jesus. If Saint Paul meant that by there being one mediator between God and man, I have to cut you out. Like you're not allowed to be the middleman yeah. because that makes you a mediator. But listen to this in First Timothy two one. Pray for all men. So I'm supposed to pray to Jesus or to God the Father for all men? Well, that makes me a mediator. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications and prayers, and then the next thing he says, intercessions. Now, you just told me you didn't think of yourself as an interceder because you went to Jesus, right? Right. But he says we are to perform intercessions. The very definition of an intercession 
is to do something on behalf of another. It's to be a mediator. So in the very same work in which we're only supposed to have one mediator between God and man, Paul is telling us to have to make intercessions for people. Is he contradicting himself? Of course, the answer theologically is no. What we see here is there's only one individual ultimately that all these prayers have to be channeled through, and that's to G- through Jesus. However, he St. Paul actually positively commends us to go and seek people who believe and love Jesus to pray for us, to Jesus. So why can't we do that for those that are already in heaven? And we just heard that Jesus gives us a story in which Abraham can apparently have a limited effect on things. And we see that Moses himself, unless Moses violates God and his commandments, remembers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then he intercedes on behalf of the people in the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we have two biblical precedents uh, whereby we are allowed to invoke Abraham in order to receive good things for the living or for the dead. And St. Paul is even saying that we can go to other people and ask them to intercede for us, which means to mediate between the person who has needs and Jesus by their prayers. So what we really mean here is we cannot have anyone who gets in the way of Jesus's mediation. If you consider Jesus your Lord and your friend, and you ask Jesus on behalf of somebody else, you're not denying Jesus's number one mediatorship. But as soon as you pray for somebody else, you are mediating, you are interceding. So you are in some sense a mediator, but are you denying Jesus's only mediatorship between God the Father and this world? No. And in a very similar way, anytime that we ask a living saint, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not dead, as Jesus says, they are alive against the Pharisees, I'm sorry, against the Sadducees. In a very same way, Mary, the other saints, they are not dead, they're alive. In the book of Revelation, they are praying before the altar of God. Who are they in? And it says that they're doing intercessory prayer. For what? For God to do things on earth, to revenge the martyrs. So clearly, the saints are very busy in heaven making prayers on behalf of people, and we have enough evidence, if we just take these New Testament passages to see, that praying to the saints and praying for each other does not get in the way of the one mediatorship of Christ. Interesting. Um, That makes sense, David. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. You've cleared up a lot of stuff, and actually, I'm looking at this now, and I'm thinking to myself, is it possible that we could do segments? Could we do another segment? Because there's yeah. other things I would like to clear for myself and my and my audience, and that would be oh, yeah. Mary Magdalene, uh, the bloodline of Jesus. You know that people ah. talk about. I would sure. like to talk about the the Holy Grail, uh, the coveted Holy Grail. I would like to talk about that maybe on the next segment and clear sure. clarify some things on that. Get your all's perspective on that. And there's nobody I would respect more than. Father Kappas and, and you, William. So I would love let me, you guys let me to add another thing as well, David. Another thing that I know would probably interest your audience because right now it's blowing up on the internet with academia, liberal academia attacking the perpetual rigidity of Mary. We can talk yeah. about that as well. Any direction you want to go in future segments, uh, we're here as your. Well, let's your talk about that a little bit right now. Go ahead okay. and, and just and then touch on that right now. Yeah. Okay. Let, let me let me break that down right now, David. So one particular area where we have done a, a lot of work in would be the perpetual virginity of Mary. And you hear very often that because you look at the Bible, uh, you look in the gospels, you have the brothers of Jesus listed, you have them traveling with the mother. Uh, you have modern day Protestants very much claiming that, um, well, look, this means Mary 
had other children. Why on earth are you Catholics calling her a perpetual virgin? Over and over we hear that, over and over, David. And, um, you know, it's, it's becoming a problem. I've heard that Jesus had brothers. I think one of yeah. them being the name of James, correct? There you right. go. So there you go. That that that's a you hear that very often, right, David? Yeah, but the, I don't. I don't. That, that does to me that takes away the the sacredness or, or of of Mary. It, it sure. kind of and I I don't know. I'm just saying to me that's another way they pervert Mother Mary, in my opinion. No, I agree. I okay. Yeah. No. No. I, I I totally agree. In fact, uh, so much I agree, David, that you will find a unanimous, and remember earlier, I'm glad I briefly laid it out when I said early church fathers. Remember, for the audience, let me just say it again, repetition helps. Those early church fathers were writers after the New Testament era that were either taught and trained by the apostles or disciples of those in an unbroken line. We have writings from the 100s, 200s, 400s. Every era we go, David, I want to emphasize this, every church era From the 100s, the medieval era, even the first Protestants, everyone believed Mary remained a perpetual virgin. The only ones that denied it were those that denied whether our Lord was uh, uh, God or not. We have a big movement of that in Arianism. People that were steeped in heresy that were outside of the church that Christ found him, those are the only figures you find denying Mary remained perpetual virgin. But they also deny that our Lord was eternal God. You have a very key connection there. You disrespect the mother. You're also disrespecting his son. I agree with you, though, David. The early church fathers believed that that was massively disrespectful, and it took away from the sacredness of Mary because it also went against what we truly believe the Scripture lays out, that Mary had a vow, a vow of perpetual virginity, never had any other child other than her firstborn, her prototokos, her firstborn child, Christ and her only child as well. By the way, that term firstborn, prototokos, was a honor, a term of honorary significance. And he indeed was her first and only child. So I think that's another very important area where there are many layers to that, many ways in which our evangelical friends, which we also want to say this, David, they, they, not a lot of, a lot of them don't mean wrong. A lot of them say, Hey, look, we were raised Protestant. You know, help us out. Help us understand. Why do we read brothers of the Lord if they're not actually, you know, Mary's children? And I think the one thing that that I've noticed, David, as the years go on and on, when we lay out the case, a lot of the our evangelical friends say, okay, well, hey, that does make a lot of sense then. We have no problem accepting that then. And perhaps if we begin slowly unveiling teachings of Mary from the Bible for them, you know, maybe more and more they'll be able to accept the Mary of Scripture and the Mary of Catholicism, which we believe is the Mary of history. Interesting. Um, so, will you both would be available to come on for another segment? Because I can, I think yeah. this can lead into um, Mary Magdalene, the relationship between her yeah. and Jesus. I'd like to clarify that the sure, bloodline, the supposed ju- bloodline of Jesus. Yeah, I'd like to clarify that. I'd like to clarify what is the Holy Grail. I sure. heard that's the bloodline of Jesus. Uh, that Jesus yeah. did go on to have kids and have a family. I want to put that. No, I want to. I want to rest. Put that to rest. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And and be and and I just want to say, do you have a book that you've that you or aren't you yeah. the author of a book? Yeah, you got no, it right so, here. So let me see if I can get it right there. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's called Mary, um, 
the definitive guide for solving biblical questions about marrying. Mary among the hold, hold it up closer to the camera. Let's yeah, let's let me get a little bit closer. A right, little closer, yeah. yeah, right there. So you can probably see. Oh, you the disappeared completely. There we go. Yeah, among the evangelists, Mary, Mary among, among the, evangelists. the evangelists. Where there can people go. get that book? People can snag that off of Amazon. It's also on A Books, uh, Book Depository, uh, Ave Maria Radio Shop. Uh, just put the title in Google. Um, EWTN catalog shop. We've been on EWTN talking about the book. Uh, just put it in Google. They'll find it there. They can, uh, they can begin. Look, a lot of people tell me, can we begin reading it right away? Amazon, if they have Amazon, if they have Kindle unlimited, you can begin reading it right now immediately. And, um, we lay out the perpetual virginity of Mary. We lay out the immaculate conception. Um, we lay out a lot of stuff there. So, and we do it from a biblical perspective. So I really think they'll enjoy it. So, William, I'm going to contact you after this podcast. Let's set up another segment for my Good. audience that we could talk about Mary Magdalene, Jesus Christ, the 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 the, uh, the Holy Grail, the bloodline. I'd like to put that to rest. And sure. also, Father Capus, would you lead us out in prayer and maybe give me a little blessing that I continue sure. to uh, do what I'm doing here and that I do it rightfully in, in, in Jesus' eyes? Could you please just give me a blessing to do that correctly? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, grant us grace and peace to understand your will and to make it happen in our lives through the intercession of our Lord and Savior who lives and reigns forever and ever. And may the blessing of the Lord be upon David and his apostolate in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. That made me feel better. So, all right. Um, all right. Uh, I'll keep in contact with William and then we'll we'll put together another great. show because I really want to talk about that. We'll do that in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, we'll and any questions that you or your friends have that they think are really important to them, we're happy to tackle in very good detail and provide any sources for them to read. We like to try to provide as much free material as possible, too, so they don't have to pay for anything. Father, where is there a place people could find you? Uh, yeah, I'm at, um, it's called the Byzantine Catholic Seminary uh, in and uh, it's in Pittsburgh. I uh, We offer an online master's program. I'm the academic dean there. Uh, at the school, been there for about eight years. Uh, it's a Catholic seminary uh, in Pennsylvania. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen. I, I appreciate you. Thank All right. You thanks so much. All right. God bless. God bless you. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. 
Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.